Hello, and welcome to Heard About, the podcast about the biggest moments in communications with the people who were behind them. I'm your host, Winston Chang. Tony the Tiger, the Energizer Bunny, and the Pillsbury Doughboy. You've seen them in commercials, bumped into them at the store, and maybe even let them sweet-talk you into buying their stuff. But have you ever thought about who's behind these iconic mascots? Who gave them their faces, bodies, colors, and catchy one-liners? And how did these puppet masters convince us to care so much about some illustrated fictional characters? Geico, the insurance company, has a spokesperson who rivals Godzilla as the most recognizable reptile in the world. Over 20 years ago, the gecko started making all of us this one promise. I could probably get you a quote in about 10 minutes, but because the 15 and 15 is so memorable, they've kept it, even though you won't be on the phone 15 minutes if you call Geico. But um, it's more memorable than 10 minutes. It save you 15% or more. Two decades later, this lizard is as big as ever, metaphorically at least. We never knew that this 15-second spot that was one of six things we had shot in that round was going to make a difference for this company, you know, and become something that lasted 25 years. I, I don't have anything that lasts 25 years. <laughs> I think my marriage has lasted longer. That's good. Today we get to chat with the inventor of the Geico Gecko, Ken Spera. We'll talk with Ken about his artistic journey from doodling comic book characters as a kid to designing advertisements as a kid at heart. We'll learn where the idea for the Little Lizard mascot came from, and we'll get his take on what makes a good commercial that people won't just mute or skip past. And for all the aspiring artists and designers out there, Ken will even have some words of wisdom to offer that have nothing to do with buying insurance. Ken, we'd love to, to get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us how you got your start uh, as a creative director uh, and where it all began? When I uh, was graduating college, I was a, a skinny, unemployed illustrator who thought I was going to be uh, an artist and an illustrator and make my, my living that way. But I was engaged and my mother-in-law kept on asking me when I was going to get a full-time job. And to her credit, it was a good question. Uh, so <laughs> I saw an ad in the newspaper for um, an artist for a furniture company. They had an in-house department. And so naively, I went to talk to the creative director there. And I thought that um, they needed an artist to draw furniture <laughs> as opposed to lay out ads. <laughs> uh, so I was, I walked in with my illustration portfolio, you know, drawings of, you know, wonderful children's illustrations and actual, you know, drawings from my life drawing classes, nude figures. And, you know, I'm showing off all the illustration work and, and, and drawing work. And she's like, um, you know what kind of job this is, don't you? <laughs> it's laying out ads for a furniture company. I was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and she believed me. And, she, and that's how I got into uh, marketing. I, it was an in-house department of a furniture company. And luckily, I met a writer there, and he asked me, do you ever want to do something more interesting? I was like, sure. 
And he showed me an annual with all these award-winning ads in it. And I looked through and I said, this really looks like fun. We should do this. And so from that point on, uh, you know, I tried to get a job at an agency to be an art director, to be a designer, anything but but furniture. And um, so I worked for a small agency for a while. Um, and then by some luck, the Martin agency was hiring and um, they brought me on. Uh, you know what? I don't know if it was my skill. Uh, I believe it was because I knew how to use a Macintosh. And this was at the beginning of when computers were starting to make their presence known in, in, in creative departments. And so I said, yes, I, I can use a Macintosh. And they basically said, well, come on, when can you start? I love that story about your mother-in-law. I've, I've certainly got some wise advice from my own. <laughs> uh, before that moment, uh, do you remember the first time you started illustrating, started thinking, this is something I, I really want to make my life about? Well, when I was a kid, all I did was draw Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Conan the Barbarian. I mean, I just loved those comic books, and I spent my days, you know, just redrawing and copying and trying to do, you know, those drawings like, you know, like they were in the comics. I was trying to do them over, and I, I think I learned my anatomy from Conan the Barbarian and... Um, you know, I would look in the mirror and go, oh, I don't look like that. Um, but anyways, I I was really into comic books. And um, and so when I got to college, the first thing they said is, you know, we're going to destroy all your habits, terrible habits, because you draw like a comic book artist and we want you to be a real one. So it was a, <laughs> it was a rude awakening, but an important part of, uh, of learning to be a real illustrator, a real artist. Um, but I still love comic books. You heard Ken mention the Martin Agency, which is what's called an advertising agency. See, people might not realize, but there's a lot that goes into making an ad. You always need to come up with the concept, put all the pieces together, and get it put in the right place, whether that's in a local newspaper or during the Super Bowl. But you might also need a writer to write a script or slogan, or an animator who can draw your characters, or even a whole filming set with a director, actors, sound engineers. So since there's so much that goes into it, clients often call companies, like the Martin Agency, for help on their advertising. In 1999, Ken was at the Martin Agency, which had recently brought Geico on as a client. I'll let Ken take us back to where it began. When we first met the Geico uh, client, one of the things they told us was, yeah, we have a weird name. A lot of people don't know what Geico means. In fact, I would like to ask you, what does Geico mean? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's not uh, uncommon. Geico actually stands for Government Employee Insurance Company. And when they started their business, it was during the Great Depression, and they only insured government employees because they knew that government employees had income and they would have, you know, they'd be able to pay their premiums. So that's how they got started. But anyways, the client was explaining to us, people don't know how to pronounce it. Sometimes they call us Gecko. Um, they're not really sure what our name means. And that's clearly true today. So 
we always thought that was funny, right? That people would call them gecko, but it really just was in the back of our head for a good year. And then um, I think it was in 1995, there was an actor's strike in LA and we were ready to, we wanted to shoot some more spots, but there were no actors to shoot. So we decided to do some animated spots. The writer I was working with at the time, Randy Belcher, who's an amazing writer, um, he and I really loved doing comedic work. And I would think probably most creatives do. And so that's the kind of work we showed them. And um, the gecko was always in the back of our head. We always thought it was funny that people would mispronounce our client's name and call them a lizard. And so we, we, <laughs> we were trying to figure out what to do with that. So I remember walking into Randy's office with a drawing of this lizard. Uh, and the lizard had a little caption coming out of his head saying, hi, I'm Gary the Gecko. And he just thought, that's hilarious. What are we going to, we got to write a spot for this. And so we talked about it. And then I'll never forget, he came back to me in an hour and said, Ken, I've got it. People are calling this poor lizard to get insurance quotes and it's driving him crazy. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and it's funny because now the gecko works for Geico. And he's a spokes lizard. But in the beginning, he could not stand them because people would constantly call him, interrupt his day, interrupt him during dinner, getting him out of the shower. He had all these issues with Geico and people calling him for insurance quotes. And he's like, I am a lizard, people. Please stop calling me for insurance quotes. You want Geico. And that was the premise. And I still love the premise. In fact, I... I actually prefer it to what's going on now, but um, I love that premise. And we ran a 15 second spot of this poor little lizard pleading into a microphone. Please stop calling me. I cannot help you with insurance quotes. <laughs> um, were you involved in the casting of the voice? I was, uh, and we had cast some very, um, prominent voiceover talent um a couple people from the simpsons i won't i won't name names but um we did all this uh these reads and we played them for the client and uh, they didn't like any of them <laughs> and it was uh, ted ward the chief marketing officer he suggested why don't you try english and so we we found a very kind of traditional english voice he was an actor from from London, I don't remember his name now, but you know this little, you know, amphibian with this very, you know, proper English deep voice coming out. It was a beautiful juxtaposition, and you know they've kept that English voice ever since. Now he's gotten a little more Ricky Gervais than proper English, but you know it still has that wonderful charm, and it's very unexpected to to get that voice coming out of an amphibian. <laughs> yeah. Or any voice at all, I guess. That's yeah. true. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, it's interesting, the um, the strike that you mentioned. I wonder how many uh, Geico Gecko lookalikes we're going to get out of this pandemic since folks can't uh, shoot as many commercials in person now. <laughs> well, we've got emus. Uh, we've yeah. got, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, but I've noticed like the, there's a couple of grocery store chains that are using animation i think you've seen a lot more animation now because 
you know, people can't get together to shoot uh, in groups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Ken, I'm curious, after you guys ran that 15-second spot, did you see results from the ad right away? The phones went crazy. That was the main way people called, you know, we got a hold of Geico back then was they would call directly any time of the day to get an insurance quote. And um, they had to hire more uh, people to answer the phones. And um, I remember uh, the CMO coming up to me and saying, Ken, we should do a few more of those lizard spots. <laughs> and so uh, he's never left the airwaves since. Um, he's evolved. His voice has changed a few times, but uh, he's still very likable and people just seem to gravitate towards him and it, you know, they, they, they enjoy him. They think he's funny and they actually listen, listen to what he has to say. So what do you think the staying power has been? Why, you know, 20 years later, uh, is the Geico gecko still, um, a part of our lives? Wow. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I wish I knew the answer. No, uh, well, a couple of things. I, I think, um, first of all, I think the 15 minutes can save you 15% or more is very believable. It's not an overpromise. It's not an underpromise. And I think people say, I've got 15 minutes and that percentage is worth it. So I think that's why they stick with that. As far as why a talking lizard, you know, in all these oddball uh, adventures he has, is so popular. I think it's a, a combination of of humor and likability and approachability and maybe even a little vulnerability, um, you know, that makes him kind of likable. I I wouldn't say that people are depending on him for insurance advice because they know what insurance is. They understand it. They know they have to have it. It's, and so they might as well hear it from someone they like. So I, I think maybe that's what's going on there. Um, insurance is not a mystery. The gecko's job is not to explain insurance and how it works. We all kind of get it. We all know we have to have it. And if we didn't have to, we wouldn't. So when it's coming from kind of a cheery, friendly, likable uh, lizard, I guess people are okay with that. I know you were kind of forced uh, to go with an animation as opposed to a person since uh, the strike was on. But do you feel like there are advantages, disadvantages, pros, cons, uh, when it comes to an animated spokesperson versus a human one? Well, I'm a huge, huge fan of animation. And um, so I may not be the best person to ask, but but I do believe that you know, an animated character can, can be very consistent for you. I mean, the gecko has been around for, well, you know, 25 plus years. Um, and, you know, he doesn't get old, he doesn't go on strike, he doesn't change voices, he doesn't get caught with a prostitute, you know, on Sunset Boulevard. I mean, he, so he's, um, he's a little more controllable, I guess, and, and d dependable. Uh, and I, and I believe, uh, also visually more ownable, um, you know, that is an icon that when people see it, immediately think of Geico. Um, there aren't too many people that bring up that kind of uh, brand relatability. 
Uh, there may be a few, but um, you know, there's something about an animated character that he's, he's almost a, a branding badge himself. You know, and you see him in conjunction with the logo. And, you know, I think if, if Tom Cruise were lying on top of the Geico logo, it might be a little different feel than the Gecko doing. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, the impact that the Geico Gecko had on insurance advertising, um, even in the decades since. Um, we realized from the very beginning that Geico was a very different kind of company. They were willing to embrace um, different types of advertising that you would see traditionally from, from an insurance company. Um, and, and, and one thing about insurance companies at the time, they were not um, comfortable doing humorous advertising. Um, I guess because they're taking people's money every month and hoping not to give it back. They didn't want to <laughs> have people uh, thinking about that too much. But, but anyway, you know, every, you know, most of the marketing for, for insurance is about, oh, you know, we're here in case you need us. We're here. We've got your back. We're your, you know, someone to lean on in times of trouble. You know, those very kind of emotional um, types of types of messaging. And I'm not sure if we were set, you know, on changing the paradigm of, you know, insurance advertising at the time, but we did. And luckily for us, the Geico client embraced something that was different from the rest of the pack. And now if you, if you look at advertising for insurance companies like Farmers or Progressive or uh, Liberty Mutual, they're all using humor. In fact, it's very hard to find insurance companies that don't use humor. Um, so that was an interesting shift over the last uh, couple of decades, but I believe that Geico was kind of the forerunner of that. The one, the one um, insurance company that said, you know what, we're going to make people laugh. We're going to take their money, but we're going to make them laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I like to think that maybe some creative people out there, creative professionals that writers and art directors who have to work on insurance companies and get to do more humorous spots now might want to send me a thank you card. That's all I'm saying. Now, Ken is still in the industry and has worked on plenty of advertising campaigns ever since he introduced the Gecko to the world. So I wanted to get his take on ads that he sees nowadays. When you watch commercials, are you watching them differently than you would if you weren't in the industry? What do you notice and what do you see that you think the average TV viewer isn't noticing? Well, if you ask my wife, she said that she cannot stand being in the room with me when commercials are playing. <laughs> and, you know, when you, get, when you get a job, a project, you're given a creative brief and it outlines the things you need to say and who you're talking to. And sometimes it's so obvious in the commercial that the creative team or the client, I don't know whose fault it is, it could be either or both, are just trying to put all those things that are in the creative brief in the commercial. And it drives me crazy because, you know, when actors say things like, did you lock the Buick? No, the Buick isn't locked. I think you locked the Buick. You know, no one says that, right? <laughs> no, everyone, did you lock the car? Yeah, I locked the car. No, you didn't lock the car. The car is locked. You don't say my Buick. No one says that. <laughs> right, right. But that's the way that commercials sound because I guess – they don't think anyone knows the brand, maybe true, 
So they're trying to have the brand name mentioned over and over again. And it comes across very fake and very forced. And you can tell, you know, somewhere in the brief, it said, we need to get the Buick brand name out there more often because people just don't think about it enough when they're considering a new car purchase. So therefore, the, uh, the solution is to say it 12 times in the 30 seconds. <laughs> and look, I, I, I don't want to be too critical of Buick. They're trying to make a buck like everybody else. But it's things like that that I notice. What do you think makes a good commercial? What makes good advertising? What are the best practices? Well, relevance is key, right? And um, But I, I've always strived... Uh, for unexpected relevance, because I think if you can do that at the end of your, whatever it is, the video, the radio spot, whatever it is, if people are kind of thinking, what does this have to do with that? Oh, I see. <laughs> and that to me is the most memorable way to be relevant, right? Where you kind of lead them down a path and they may be scratching their head a little bit. And then it all comes around full circle at the end and they're just nodding and going, okay, you got me. You got me. There's no way I was thinking of car insurance and now I am. <laughs> and so I, that unexpected relevance, I think is what I strive for. Don't always do it. Um, it's hard to do because uh, people have seen everything these days, um, but it's so great to pull that off. Uh, are there any other campaigns, concepts, commercials that you look at and you're like, I wish I'd come up with that. That's genius. <laughs> I might have to think about that for a second. Um, there was a campaign Burger King did in Brazil uh, where you could, if you had the Burger King app, you could use the camera in your phone. And if you pointed it at any McDonald's ad, a billboard, a sign on their in their window, a magazine ad, anything, the ad would immediately go up in flames on the screen of your phone and be replaced by a Burger King offer. And they would say, everything is better flame broiled. And so they were using McDonald's own advertising to do their advertising. And Burger King is a wonderful, you know, um, you know, brand. And they've really, I know they're battling an uphill battle uh, against McDonald's, but they really have embraced being that challenger brand. And they're very good about trying different technologies, different uh, messaging. And you know, sometimes it gets them in trouble and sometimes it's just brilliant. And I, and I thought that particular campaign was amazing that they could use their competitors' own work to promote their own product. So things like that really catch my eye when they're kind of a new use for technology or a new use for social media. Um, it's, it's such a busy world out there with so much coming at, uh, us <laughs> and our, and the people we're trying to talk to, they're bombarded by so many directions. It's so hard to really make, uh, get them stop and pause and, and look at what you're doing. And so I think Burger King has consistently done a really good job with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's a tension, right? Uh, and I, I hear about this a lot in the industry, uh, trying to find the balance between just being really clever, really smart, coming up with something really creative and mm -hmm. actually talking about the brand's value. Because you can certainly do one without doing the other. So how do you personally make sure that you're doing both? How do you strike that balance? 
Well, I, I do believe what you're saying is true, that um, at the heart of good communication is a strategy, right? Is a strategy to speak to them in the language, the right language in the right, you know, and, and knowing who your target audience is and what stage of life they're in. And that helps you speak in, in a way that they'll pay attention. And that might sound very scientific and dry, but I think once you know the right strategy, then your mind can take off into a very creative way and, and surprise people with that, with the way you, way you talk to them. And, and as long as it's still based in the strategic idea, um, then, then you should be fine, no matter how creative you get, as long as it's based in strategy. Um, you know, different clients have different appetites for how creative you can be. Uh, and we all want the ones that let you be Geico, you know, because they let us do anything and for the most part. And, you know, that's a that's not a client I'll, I'll ever have again. But, you know, and since then, I've had clients who've been, you know, very conservative and some have been very lenient with that. Um, it just it depends on the brand and and, you know, and how they want to how they want to speak to people. And certainly Jaguar is not gonna to speak to you the way Tesla does, you know, and um and and that's fine. That's appropriate. But I don't think that making sure your work is um rooted and anchored in strategy is an excuse to be boring. Yeah. And and you think people can tell, right? Like consumers can tell when uh you you really just came up with something that was funny, that was clever in and of itself, but didn't really communicate a strategy. You didn't really communicate the brand. I think people can tell the difference. I think you're right about that. I, I do believe that if people see a very funny, wacky, quirky uh, piece of marketing, they'll appreciate it. They'll laugh and they'll like it. That doesn't mean they'll remember who it's from or what the point was. You know what I mean? So the, Unfortunately, you just can't be an entertainer. You have to be an entertainer that's leaving someone with a message or a point. And it's hard, hard to do, uh, but you have to. And, um, yeah, I think there are plenty of times when I've had teams, you know, tell me, this is the best idea. And I would, I'll ask them why, and they'll say, because it's funny. And... And I'll agree with them. It is funny. It's really funny. But <laughs> that doesn't make it the best idea. And, you know, most, most people in advertising, most creatives in advertising are, you know, want to be comedians. So <laughs> we all think we're so funny. Ken, I thought it would be fun to do a, a kind of lightning round where we look at some other famous spokespeople, um, some of whom are also uh, like yours in the Advertising Icon Hall of Fame. So I'll just throw out a name and then let me know what you think. Okay. The Kool-Aid Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the Kool-Aid Man. The fact that he can cause such immense property damage and people are okay with that. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's iconic. I think he came around when advertising was a little simpler and there wasn't as much competing uh, for attention. And, um, and he, he ran through so many walls uh, 
I think he just kind of forced his way into our hearts. I, I wouldn't change a thing. How about this one? And uh, these guys came around or came out, I think, around the same time as the uh, as the gecko, uh, the M and M's spokes candies. Yeah. Well, I'm not a big M- <laughs> I'm not a big M and M's fan, but I, I do I do think they're very well written. You know, the personalities they've developed for each particular color. Um, I, I think they at times can be a little predictable. But overall, they've really done a, a really masterful job of creating personalities for each one. And again, they fluctuate. Sometimes, you know, they, they're working for M&M. Sometimes they're the antagonist. But the odd thing is, is they're, <laughs> they're promoting cannibalism, basically. They're, <laughs> they're, they're asking people to eat them. <laughs> and uh, I believe there's even a spot where another M&M is eating another M&M, and I, I just you can't do that. That's just wrong. Yeah. Uh, closer to home for Geico, uh, Mayhem, the Mayhem guy from, from Allstate. Just brilliant. I mean, to me, as far as pure writing and performance, I think maybe the best of, of insurance marketing out there, quite frankly. Um, now, he's he's been around a while, and I think he's starting to – age a little bit and that's one of the things we talked about earlier you know the gecko doesn't have uh, those issues um and uh you know it doesn't require uh, negotiations every spot and <laughs> so uh but that actor is so good at what he does and um his expressions that's a, that's another campaign if you want a brilliant idea was when he came on during uh i believe it was a college bowl game and he was in somebody's house selling all their stuff because they were, uh, they were putting all their pictures from the game of themselves on social media and uh, everyone knew they weren't home. So in moves the thief and they were actually doing, um, they actually had an e-commerce site set up during the bowl game and they were selling, you know, a television, all the things that you would traditionally find in a home and it was just brilliant. I mean, it, it, just genius. The idea is genius. The performance of the guy was genius. The fact that it was on during a bowl game that these people were supposed to be at was genius. I wish I had thought of that. It was amazing. As we wrapped up, Ken had a few words of advice for anyone who wants to design the next viral ad. Or really anyone who just likes to draw. It was funny, you were kind of asking what, you know, I think makes a good ad. But I, I also think what makes a good uh, creative person, um, it's something I was thinking about earlier today. Um, you know, essentially advertising is problem solving. You know, people want to solve the creative problem or you know, what, what is going to get people to make a decision in favor of your client? What, you know, what is that solution? And everybody wants to be the person who comes up with that solution. And I've found um, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard to be, it's hard to come up with that solution. And sometimes a solution happens that you never imagined it would happen. And that in the case of the gecko, that's exactly what happened. We never knew that this 15 second spot that was one of six things we had shot in that round was going to make 
a difference for this company, you know, and become something that lasted 25 years. I, I don't have anything that lasts 25 years, <laughs> let alone, you know, this idea. So I think my marriage has lasted longer. That's good. But, um, you know, it's so it's interesting. We all want to be the, the, the one who comes up with the solution. And sometimes uh, it's just out of our control. I wanted to ask if you have any last minute advice for all of the illustrators, artists, aspiring designers out there in the world. The kids at home who are who are drawing Black Panther and Spider Man, and uh, <laughs> the folks who are talking to their in laws about getting a real job. Those folks, what would you say to them? Well, I, I believe now more than ever, there are more creative opportunities. Not just advertising, but there's ways for people to see your work now that never existed when I was drawing Black Panther and Spider Man. Um, and it, it's still hard to be, to make a living creatively, but I believe there are more ways for people to express themselves and more places for them to express themselves now more than ever. And I think that's a good thing. And when people complain like, oh, I hate that, you know, there's some people who post the worst original music or the worst art, you know, on Instagram, I hate seeing that, but you know what? I say good for the artist, good for them. And maybe they're not as talented as some other artists or musicians, but so what? Put it out there and express yourself and have fun doing it. And you know what? If someone says, hey, I think I would like to pay you money to do that, then good for you. Um, so just keep it up. Keep it up. You know, pay your bills, but still be creative. You know, keep it up and, and post your drawings on Instagram. You know, if you want to do your own comic book, Go ahead and do it and put it on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you think people are going to look at it and have fun doing it and, and express yourself. And um, if you can make a living doing that, congratulations. And if you don't, still do it and keep your soul alive. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Heard About with the designer of the Geico Gecko, Ken Spera. If you enjoyed that conversation with Ken, Tune in every other week for new episodes, follow us on social media, and please spread the word about our podcast as we continue exploring the biggest moments in communications with the people who are behind them. This has been your host, Winston Chang. Until next time.